uh, I thought an album was out this week, and it's not. That's distressing me because it was going to be mine. It's going to be my new album. Lots of albums out this week. There's Machine Gun Kelly. His album's out this week. <laughs> uh, dear. I have, no, I have no idea what kind of artist he is, but apparently he's like a pop punk artist. Oh, okay. It's like fucking I thought good charlatan kind of uh, stuff. I thought, I thought he was, was like R&B. a shitty white rapper. Mm, okay. Well, I think I can still. I'm sure it's fucking horrible, whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, it do, the fucking, the stupid bell end got Megan Fox's missus uh a ring, an engagement ring that had thorns on the inside so she couldn't take oh, it off. Oh, that was him, was like it? Like a cat oh, dick. Jesus Yeah, it's like, like, loves his pain. It's like, no, fuck off. Sometimes you feel a bit bloaty and the ring, you know, you know. <laughs> sometimes you've had a bit too much lactose well, just, and you've swallowed up a bit. Well, you just got to do the washing up, mate. What happens? Yes. Then, sometimes you get I'm, one to go for a surf. I'm guessing a little bit like um, uh, the Kardashians and their kitchen that was bigger than my house. <laughs> And Adam was like, they've never, fucking, show? they've never fucked in that They've never, well, they probably have fucked in the kitchen. They've never yeah, fucked I've in never the kitchen. Well, they have enough room. For, well, with, with the Kardashians, you know, you need you need enough room for a full camera crew and a, you know, sound stage and, and lighting and everything. Mm. First unit director, second unit director. That's not what I thought it was either. God, do I really want to pick that? No, I don't know whether I do. Anyway. Uh, is this the podcast, by the way? This is the podcast. This is the music. Oh, is this the preamble? <laughs> the preamble to the preamble. This is the preamble to the preamble. I think we need to um, probably need to start by addressing the the the, mm. the the tragedy that is the fact that we can no longer do our joke about um, the coach of the Memphis Grizzlies um, doing such a fantastic job because he's also... Uh, the drummer for Foo Fighters. Yeah. Uh, R.O.P. Taylor Hawkins. Not Taylor Jenkins. Taylor Jenkins continues to live and thrive and work, uh, at least at the time of press. Yeah. It's just not good. It sucks, man. People dying young. It really isn't. Like, I know he's not young, young, but. Well, he, was, he isn't young, though. He's 50. He's like, I mean, it's yeah. a bit like when Warney died. Like, oh, he was so young. It was like. Yeah, but 50 and also probably didn't treat to, you know treat his body like a temple unless it's one of those Aztec temples that the, the Spanish completely sacked and marauded. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm guessing that he probably had a pretty good early part of his life, as a lot of musicians did, but... Oh, he'd been the drummer for Foo Fighters for 25 years, which yeah. is an astonishing thing to think, but that's true. The, the thing is with all of those guys is they're all middle-aged with kids now, and he was middle-aged yeah. with kids, and uh, having lost someone who's left kid, kids behind in the last 12 months, it ain't good. That's it's horrible. not a good That's feeling. That's horrible for, for the families. Um, yeah. But also there is a uh, – and we and at the time of recording, we don't know uh, the circumstances, hmm. um, but seemed to have been something – you know, something behavioural, should we say? Yeah. So, th- there are a lot of a lot of men of, of his vintage who um, either struggle with abuse of drugs or alcohol or or just just uh, with their mental health. So, um, if you're in that um, demographic, look after yourself. Yeah, yeah, and you would As think someone like lump, someone like him would be able to have people he could ask for help or get professional yep. help. So, you know. But money and so you would have said that about Chris yeah, Cornell too. Money and circumstance don't mean shit. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And the problem is you're more surrounded by, by people who you can't really, yeah, 
But yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about Chris Cornell in that sort of like that sort of area because that was he was almost exactly the same kind of age. And I'm not saying, you know, as I say, we don't know, we don't know what became of of Taylor. But um, it sucks. It sucks. You know, he was he was as much part of the. Um, in fact, he was probably the two. I he felt like the two I see for, on the Foo Fighters because um, the rest of them were kind of interchangeable and disposable, apart from say, you know, Pat Smear, um, who was kind of a you know, late guest. Joiner, um, but you know he was. Um, I mean, so much of the the character, the the personality of Foo Fighters came through in their film clips, and you know Taylor was was you know essentially co-star with um, with Dave. Yeah. So uh, he he will be missed. Um, uh, yeah. So well, tripping balls. This is our, mu- our new music podcast. Last week we did a uh, Desert Island Discs 300th episode spectacular, but this week we're back doing new music. Actually, wasn't Except that two weeks ago? you're going to tell me that I'm actually a week out, and that was two <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> I was going to say, for, for I, a start, you know you're, the problem? You're, it's, you're it's, mixing. Because yeah, you I had to do the fucking show notes for last week's episode today, today so that's why yes. I'm, I'm living yes, in, yes. I'm still living in. Uh, I gave you tips about one of the albums from last week, thinking it was one of the albums from this week. So, um, yep. things are going great. Really good. Turns out having a job with responsibility is not conducive to- Oh, fucking uh, responsibilities. That's yeah, that's the other problem with being, you know, somewhere between 40 and 50. Um, where would you where would you like to start? I've got two of these albums that I sort of want to talk to, talk about together, What's I What's the guess. album you don't want to talk about? I want to talk about all three, but- I- Oh, your story changes now, doesn't it, folks? I sort of feel like the Hoodoo Gurus album and the Mysterines album uh, have similarities and differences that make them interesting to talk about together. Because I, I feel like they've both got very, very uh, idiosyncratic vocalists, like vocalists with a great, um, a great sound, right? Like a sound that's not sort of just in the background it's it's quite yeah it's, it's quite out there and and dave faulkner also writes the lyrics for the gurus so that kind of you know he very much sings in his own voice the way that tim rogers used to before he started yeah, you know, now, being too much of a cletus trying to what what was the go there was a there was one song in particular that was very strange about hitting on a girl that was down in a boyfriend had depression and taking her from him it was I think, no, I think the, that was written from the perspective of a because um, one of the repeating themes with the gurus apparently we're doing the gurus album first one of yeah. the themes that, that Faulkner and, and Brad Shepard hit on a lot is like really cynical religious um, manipulators you know people who go in and, and okay, you know right. and that's why the chorus is I, I want your money I want your money you know it's it's Entirely about being a fucking, a venal, predatory, religious. Um, right. It's yes. not. It's not from a uh, a personal perspective. No, 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 no. There's a lot of that sort of stuff. I mean, there, there was a, 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 a sent you a link to one of to my favourite um, gurus compilation because there's a lot of them. But it's one called Electric Chair, which came out in the late 90s when that, the first time they broke up. But there's a lot of songs on there that actually, like there's a song called God-Fearing Family Man, which is about the, about the kind of rich, entitled, white privilege fuckwit that, you know, it's almost like the story of Scott Morrison before, you know, you know, many, you know, 20 years before Scott Morrison sort of stuff. They've always been kind of really hard out against fucking um, religious bullshit and, and 
sanctimony and corruption and all that sort of stuff. It's always been something that I've really, um, that, that they've really, they've really hit on. And there's there's songs in this that are that, you know, that tell those sorts of stories as well. Yeah. The problem I had with this album is I just found it a bit too, uh, like. I think of the Hootigurus as this really tight, great pub rock band, right? A, a little bit like, I, I think Hunters with can, a poppy feel, because you know you yeah, think of, yeah. of, of a lot of their, you know, they're able to write really, really great. Because I mean, they had so many big hits in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Uh, they can write singles, yes. And but, those songs are not on this album. Like, no, there's, there's this, very this, little on this album that, that actually that sticks. It's almost like they've run out of hooks. I suppose World of Pain is catchy enough. Sort of sticks with you a bit. Um, okay. Song about you know being the kind of dickhead who goes out and get punched in the head on Friday night. Yeah, and that and that sort of felt like a a song that was written to try and be a single. And I listened to it and went, it's like, okay, it's okay, it's not. It reminded me of a lot of other Guru's singles. It reminded me. Yeah, but of, with, um, I don't know the music. The music didn't have that quirky. Ah, uh, quirky's not the right word. There's sort of larrikinism. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was a bit too. It was a bit too that, yeah, it was a bit too straight ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it felt a lot like the, the, the songs that were written to be singles off their other late, sort of post comeback albums, if that makes sense. Because they've been, I mean, they, they broke up twenty five years ago. Mm. Um, that was their farewell tour was ninety seven. Bite the bullet, which was the live album that came out from that, was ninety eight. Yeah. Uh, and then they came back. They played Homebag two thousand and one, which I actually went to, uh, which was awesome. Uh, and then, um, and then they released a, a comeback album in, in 2004. But and then they, in 2005, I saw that was the last time I saw them. Uh, I think it was at the Yamba Golf Club, and that was the the literal loudest fucking band I have ever heard in my life. I mean, the undercard was Spiderbait, and Spiderbait are not quiet, but Spiderbait were like half as loud as the Gurus. The Gurus were just unpleasantly loud in this fucking. Um, this this fucking conference room in a, in a golf club in, in regional New South Wales. It, I, I always think of the story where the uh, uh, in excess's saxophone player went to, you know, went to a club somewhere, you know, like a surf club somewhere in in the northern beaches, and and they had an in excess covers band, and they didn't have a saxophone player in the covers band, and it almost feels like Dave was at a pub. And there was a covers band playing, and he just went, "Hey, let's go up and play these songs." Like yeah. I don't know, it just. It I mean, they, they, have... musically they're fine. It's just they yeah. haven't written very good songs, and they've kind of run. Yeah, okay. I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, we are now. It's twelve years since the last Guru's album, which yeah. itself was six years since the the one before that. Yeah, it's it's not the next Uta Guru's album should be twenty forty six. Mm. I mean, they're, they're they're really old and they're out of ideas. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what and- this album is for. I no, really don't. Well, it, 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 like they don't need it to tour. Why the fuck are they? What is this for? Yeah, it's for them, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Something to do during lockdown, but yeah, um, it, it's sad because it, it is. I was worried that it'd be a bit like that uh, Midnight Oil album, and it is. It is kind of they're making some of the same noises as they used to, but there's none of the same force or drive or interest or spark. I mean, Dave Fortner can still write, you know, he's still got that kind of witty, punny, rhyming couplety kind of lyric that he can put mm. together. And I always got to like that. It can feel a little bit twee in places, but and, and I always really vo- enjoy it. His voice fits that 
style too. Yeah. Like his voice sounds like it's a- It feels like he's telling you a story. A little bit sardonic. All, all, yeah. all Guru's songs are him telling telling a story. Mm. It might be, you know, it might be from a different perspective to his own, um, but it's- uh, And they're always, they're always entertaining stories to hear, generally. Um, yeah. But the last song on the album um, kind of- uh, I've got to get you out of my life. Um, just finishes with this repeated refrain of, I just don't care. I just don't care. And I think that's quite dangerous to yeah. finish a half-assed, half-hearted, very late legacy comeback album with, because that's kind of the reaction that, that I have. I'd rather go back and listen to fucking, I was actually today, I was listening to uh, Electric Chair. Because it's got pretty, it was pretty much, it was the, the compilation they released full of all their fun, loud songs. Uh, rather than they did another one called, oh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was full of their, their kind of, their kind of softer, poppier stuff. So, uh, what, what like this, what this album was good for though, was playing just before you listen to Reeling by the Mysterines and you go, oh, okay, this is what, a good band with good songs and a, a vocalist in top form sounds like I love this album. This album was fucking ace. They had a crack, as you would say. Um, I, I, just, I, th- I thought they... I actually really enjoyed their songwriting. I, I don't know if this is normally my sort of my sort of bag, but I, I thought they had a little bit of... Um, Light and shade in some in some of their songwriting, like it wasn't just all howling all the time. Uh, I, I really dug this, so I'm I'm interested to see what you think of it because this is probably more a style in your wheelhouse than mine. That's that's really interesting because I'm hard disagree. I thought this was shit. Oh, okay, right. I really didn't. Like, I thought this album. I was really uh, glad that I didn't waste a pick. Because as I said, these these guys were on my on my long list for, for tagging, and I and I'm I'm thoroughly glad that I didn't pick these guys because this was fucking indifferent. I really didn't right. like this at all. I was dingy and dirty and grim and heroiny and no, they just had absolutely nothing for me yeah, at def- all. Definitely, yeah, I, I know what you mean by the heroiny thing makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, um, I just I just. And, and obviously, whenever I disagree with you on an album, it's not intended as a shot. But although in no. the early days, it was you know we would get completely piped up on alcohol and just just shout abuse at each other for, for disliking each other's yeah, albums. Yeah. But um, no, I just didn't. I didn't think they'd actually delivered on the promise of some of the singles they had in the that made me interested in them in the first place. And I think their fate was sealed when I discovered they'd done a. So the first the first song on the album is called "Life Is a Bitch," but I like it so much, which is. An asinine lyric, but um, when I discovered they'd done a radio edit of the same song called "Life Is a Fix," but I like it so much, what? which is, which is Why? fucking, that's almost like you remember that episode of The Simpsons where the yeah, Red yeah. Hot Chili Peppers were there, and they're like, you know, we want you to change the lyrics. They're like, no way, man, our lyrics are like our children. We're never changing them. They say, but what if, what if you made it say, you know, what I'd really, really like to do is hug and kiss you, and they're like, yeah, that's much better. Everyone yeah, can enjoy that. that. <laughs> it's like that. It's just so fucking insipid. Like, life as a bitch is not that difficult to fucking. How di- how to get how sensorial the are your broadcast requirements? Oh dear. Um. So we're going away for holidays at Easter, and I like this year. I decided I'd I've got my review playlist, and and I was going to give that a good thrash during Easter. You know, We've to- only listened to ten albums this year. How could you have a review playlist? Well, there's 
like probably five. Okay, albums, now we've but, listened to thirteen. But I guess what I'm trying Actually, to say no, is no, twelve because Duran Jones is not a is not is not eligible for yeah, not eligible um, for your consideration. I guess what I'm trying to say is it is how does how does an album fit into the context of the other stuff you've listened to it, and how much is like three or four, like probably two complete run-throughs and then, you know, some casual in the background listening. How does that work out when you put it back in for a longer play over time with a bit of space in between it? Um, So I'm sort of like what I'm trying to do with this sort of quarter-year review uh, spaces. God, we can't be at the quarter year. We've only done ten albums. We have to do a hundred before the end of the year. It's the law. <laughs> That's right. Well, we better get cracking then. Yeah. Um, People need to release some shit. Yeah. Uh, it's more to more to delete albums that I think it, you know don't don't stack up uh, than it is to. Um, you need to Marie Kondo that shit. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna have a short list of. 52 albums at the end of the year, otherwise. Yeah. Well, I have that problem more often, but I have to admit, the Mysteries album did not bring me joy, I'm afraid, so uh, okay. I will thank it and let it move on. What about Duran Jones, which I sort of felt was... I, I can see why Aaron Fraser went and did his own thing, because... Uh, like This, this is was exactly of, what you thought it would be. I mean, it yeah, was, that's right. It was... It, it, it was super more, Ron Seal. It was absolute Ron Seal areas. It was did exactly what it said on the label. Uh, it's wallpaper. It's fine for what it is. Yeah. Um, if, if what you're looking for is kind of uh, the less interesting parts of the Silk Sonic album. Okay, I, I thought it was a bit better than that, but okay. No, I think but the Silk Sonic album was entirely house. competent and well written. It was just not yeah. interesting. Like apart from the apart from the kind of um, James Brown cosplay, you know, the more funky bits, the the kind of the more traditional kind of damp squib soul songs which is mm. more what more where Duran Jones uh, plays his trade yeah um, yeah it wasn't there so album it, was, it wasn't anywhere near as, as interesting as the St. Paul album and that's no. not to say it was a better album that the St. Paul uh, album was better but it was more uh, interesting it did uh, it tried think, more shit which, which I think the St. St. Paul album was considerably better than this this, this was yeah, fairly fairly uh, by the lines it was more consistent. Funk soul album. Yeah, yeah it, it had a lower yeah. ceiling and a high floor. Um, yeah, and I, I, there was no funk on this at all. It was just, it was just dreary neo soul. Mm. Extremely well executed, but yeah, this is why very, I compared it to the um to the to the least interesting parts of the Silk Sonic album. Very competent musicians, it sounded like. Yeah. Uh, well, for the for for the new tunes, I'm going to I'm going to firmly put myself in uh in. The Triple bin, J- finally. <laughs> Triple J Heartland. I'm I'm tossing up between two Triple J. We just Triple did that. J- we did the rewiggled album. I mean, what, what could be more Triple J than, than, <laughs> than the fucking the Anthony Field and his plastic teeth doing covers of Tame Impala? That's apparently what Triple J is now. Uh, yeah, they can't they can't um they can't deny it. That was their number one song. Okay, I'm going to go Denzel Curry, please. Why not? Just to see whether. I mean, you know why not? <laughs> Look, don't you want to? Don't you want to hear a song featuring T Pain or? Uh, I thought you were saying. I thought you were about to ask me. Don't you want to have the Joker next week? 
<laughs> because you know I'll end up getting it if you pick a Denzel Curry album. Uh, yeah, you've got the Joker this week, that's for sure. All right, what are you I got? I don't know, do I? Oh, well, I, well you're going to have to because I don't have a Joker. <laughs> I was going to say, if you you liked the Mr. Reed's album and I didn't like, I didn't really like anything. I don't <laughs> like anything. I don't like anything. Um, I'm going to go for, uh, well, I was thinking about picking an album by a band called Dream Widow, which is this, this new metal band that I, I heard, but, but sounded, had, that- had some interesting shit. Um, and then I found out it was a Dave Grohl side project. And I thought, why didn't he just call it Probot? You know, because he had that Probot thing mm. uh, about 20 years ago. But it turns out, no, Dream Widow is actually the band from, and I, and I kicking myself for not twigging to this, but it's, it's the band from the fucking movie he made with the Foo Fighters. This, this uh. ridiculous horror movie where they go to record this album in a, in a, abandoned mansion and it turns out a band had re- tried to record there before and they'd one of them had become demonically possessed and killed them all and all yeah this is not a spoiler this is the pretense of the movie you know and this band was called um dream widow and they were a metal band and of course dave grohl has written this metal album to go with the, the movie um the, because you know obviously being an american style horror movie this is probably you know this isn't really a spoiler it's american style horror movie dave gets demonically possessed and kills all his fucking bandmates in horrific ways that's the whole fucking point of an american style horror movie mm. uh, of concluding of course taylor hawkins and it doesn't really feel right to be mm, picking, picking that, that as a on this particular night it just does not mm. feel right the um to pick the the fake band that uh, that is associated with a project in which I'm pretty sure that movie, which I think only got released a few weeks ago, it might quietly get um, pushed, uh, pulled back in for a little bit because it's mm. a bit, um, yeah. I don't really feel like it's the moment for that sort of stuff. I don't really get the point of those sorts of horror movies anyway because it's like, well, you know, because of the, the way those things are scripted, everybody is going to die and all you're doing is tuning in to see how everybody dies. And if that's what you enjoy to do, which was- I've got questions about you. Because I don't think, which was why the it. like the first couple of scream movies worked so well, mm. right? Is because it's like here are all these ridiculous rules that you have yeah. about making a, a particular style of movie. Uh, yeah, hor- horror movies. I, I know you're not a big movie guy anyway, but horror movies just I just don't get them. I no, know. I don't. I don't. I I, I I I was joking about having more empathy. You know, having far too much empathy. To be a, but I do actually. I don't like seeing people in pain. So, um, mm. even and the thing is that if you know everyone's going to die, it's impossible to actually form any fucking a connection with them. Because you're like, oh, you're going to get bumped off, and you're going to get bumped off. Only if it's completely done for jokes, like fucking early Peter Jackson style, brain dead or something like that. And even then, it's kind of still a bit fucking hell. Uh, yeah, it's not not my thing mm. at all. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that if that, um, yep. that that movie gets quietly pulled from release just because it's a bit. A bit on the nose. Um, so I'm not going to pick the um, the Dream Widow EP. I'm probably not going to pick it at any stage, I would have thought. Um, so instead, I'm going to pick an album I've been waiting for for a while, and that is by a bunch of Southern California munters called Charger. I reviewed one of their EPs on an episode I did of, of EPs um, a year or two ago. Basically, they are, they are very kind of... Um, Early 80s, Bay Area Metal, you know, Metallica, Megadeth, spliced with Motorhead. Basically, the kind of loud, obnoxious shit that um, you've come to expect from me. Uh, and it's been a while since we had one of them, so um, I would like to give you Charger's album. 
as right. my pick for the week. What about a joker? I assumed you were going to pick one because you were the one who... You, you'd actually, I was pretty sure I hadn't won the week. Um, Cypress Hill Avenue, I've met. Okay, that's interesting. I was thinking about them the other day because they sort of haven't really cashed in on the on the nostalgia train that a lot of no um, those be real does bits with um, uh, he does that prophets of rage thing with thing. Um, yeah. public enemy and uh, with uh, with Chuck D and and the back end of uh, rage yeah I think and they're it, probably going to do another album pretty soon and the other fascinating thing about them is. Marijuana culture's changed a lot since the last time Cypress brought out an album. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's a boutique sort of small to large business in a lot of states. It's, it's now very white. Yes. It's white and college ed- educated instead of being, you know, black and on the streets, which is, you know, there's an mm. irony there and they probably need to, you know, pardon a lot of people who uh, who got put away for something that is no longer, you know, no longer a crime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill are generally pretty good. I enjoy yeah. a bit of Cypress Hill. Um, <laughs> and if it turns out I prefer Cypress Hill to Denzel Curry, you knew that yeah, was going to happen. Actually, that's a good. That's a good. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good uh, contrast in styles, isn't it? Because he's supposedly one of the sort of like indie rappers. He, he's not really Does on that. Does that just mean like Kendrick style mumble rap or what? No, I, I don't think he's quite on that. I think he's he's not really like that art. Like I always think of Kendrick and, and Nas as like, you know, your art house sort of underground, even though they're not very underground Oh, Nas now. is only underground because he wasn't as popular. <laughs> I yeah. mean, Neil Maddock was still a pretty big fucking album. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know where Denzel Curry fits in. Is I only know the name. I could not. I don't have any idea what the sound is. Yeah. Apart from the fact that he's that, the, that his name just seems ridiculously derivative, it's like I'm going to pick the first name of a famous actor and the second name uh, of a famous basketball, basketball player. player. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know where Denzel Curry fits in. Is he more in the like the hippie hip hop? I don't know. <laughs> Hippity happy. <It's> <laughs> it's no, it's never good to sound like Bill Cosby. So I would recommend you not do that. <laughs> Lessons for life. Yes. Uh, don't dress like yeah. Cosby. Don't sound like Cosby. Cosby. All right. Let's give those albums a go, and I'll be much more prepared for next week, as I lie once again. Um, lovely to talking to you, Doc. Lovely to be talked to. Well, listen, Dad. Whatever, whatever the fuck we're doing here. That was tripping balls. Shouts to Taylor Hawkins. Power to his family. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you, mate.